Droppe Gaming Droppe Gaming Droppe Gaming Droppe Gaming Hello everyone and welcome to episode 28 28? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you say so boss Of Droppe Gaming Podcast Today it's No Lucas That's good English it's uh, it's Matt here, and I'm joined by Susie. Hello. And Tim. Hello. We have no Lucas <laughs> because he is, uh, I don't know. I have not been able to contact him since his wife's thirtieth on the weekend. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> that might explain it. Maybe he's still inebriated. Anyway, we decided to you know hold the fort anyway. So uh, it's been three weeks. Obviously, last time we we mentioned that we were going to try to aim for a fortnightly podcast. Uh, we didn't manage to get one last week because of various reasons, but uh, that's all right. Back on track. <laughs> it's not the first time that Dropware Gaming Podcast has uh, has been a a So, but it was only it's only delayed a week. I mean. Yeah, we've had um, we've, we've had worse. Gone like three months. <laughs> <laughs> we have had worse. So uh, in today's episode, well, tonight's episode, we or this week's episode, even that's it. That makes more sense. Next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, we're, depending on how much more I fucking blather and have to edit this, uh, we're gonna d- have a few discussions. Uh, Journey came out last week to the general masses. Mm-hmm. And a week prior to people with uh, PlayStation Plus, which includes us. So we've managed... Uh, Tim has been enjoying that game particularly. Hell yes. Yeah. Twice already. Twice. And and, and a little bit in between, yeah. And uh, I've had one playthrough. I started playing it and then couldn't really commit the, to sitting there for a while to play it. And then uh, last night, gave my, after hearing lots and lots and lots about it, I gave myself... A couple of hours to sit through it, so we're going to talk about our our impressions of that. And uh, Susie's got a new Android slash iPod slash etc. game, which she will be talking about. And uh, I'm going to talk a bit about some Vita games, including Uncharted: Golden Abyss, which I've been playing a shitload of. But uh, we'll start off with uh, a few kind of relevant current affair type things, yeah? Yeah. Well, one, <laughs> R18 Plus. Uh, obviously, we've uh, we've discussed the R18 Plus issue a couple of times on here, on this fateful podcast, and um, it has just passed through the House of Representatives and been voted through, and it is now entering the Senate. So, hopefully we'll... Uh, I don't know. How, when did it go into the House of Representatives? Does anyone know? A few weeks ago, I think. Yeah, wow. I didn't know politicians worked that fast. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, No, so hopefully we'll hear something about that in the next few months. And uh, obviously the, the date for it to start from is January 1st next year, but we can see what happens there. Mm. It'd be nice to have it sooner rather than later. But... Uh, I, what I want to know is about the uh, games that have previously been refused ca- classification. I don't know what the go is with them. If they they won't be reclassified, um, so they they're not going to go back and and look at them again. I suppose it's probably up to 
the game developers um, and the productions to resubmit yeah. to the classification board. But it's um, I, I do know that they said that anything that's already MA now is not going to get re- reclassified to an R rating for the sake of it. So it's basically a clean slate. Yeah. Oh, well, fair enough. No, well, that makes sense. But um, a bit irritating about the previous games, but I guess... I guess we just take them as casualties, the, the things that were part of getting us to where we've got to go. And look, there's the whole gaming designing future in front of us, so... Um, Leave the old know, shit behind. It, yeah. It. Yeah, well, you've you got to look at it. When, it's, when it comes to new legislation being introduced, they, it has a start date being... You know, if they if they do go ahead with January first, two thousand thirteen, they're not going to make retrospective decisions. Legislation never makes retrospective decisions. Yeah, uh, it basically looks going forward. So whatever we've got now is how it is. And uh, look, unless they they really want to resubmit Left for Dead or or two and Fallout three as they were four or five years ago, which I don't know. I think. I might might put a wager on that. <laughs> yeah, to, to be honest, I, I really think the only way that that will happen is if they, for example, release them as some sort of platinum or collection reissue, which allow which would probably need to be submitted anyway, particularly if they're bundling them with other products. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be the only way that you'd bother. Otherwise, commercially, it, it doesn't really uh, benefit any publisher to resubmit old games they're, they're getting older now you know yeah. what i mean like people yeah are still playing left for dead ultimately we all understand anyone who really wants to play left for dead 2 will get it on pc or import it on console but we're already moving into an, a newer era of gaming so there, w- there will be something else there, there will be something else. yeah oh well i'd i'd definitely purchase the uh the r18 super pack of um the games <laughs> with the the unedited grand theft auto and Fallout, yeah. Fallout with um, what? Uh, what are they called? They they were supposed to be morphine, but they got turned into something. How stupid is that? Oh, yeah. Like medics, medics, medics yeah. and you buff yeah. out and yeah. stuff like that. I think. Well, I mean, going back to Fallout Three, the biggest concern that they had was the fact that you could kill children as you could anyone else. Oh and yeah, that was. I, I think aside from having the old buff out and medics and anything else that was there as far as steroids or heroin or anything um that that's probably mm. a fair call to make i don't and know if the kid has resources to... i kind of want them <laughs> <laughs> and he can't yeah, defend we... himself as much as that strong guy over there who also has no, resources no but i can understand why why killing children is in poor taste okay fair enough with um <laughs> a, a post-apocalyptic survival it? game i don't know if we can <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes sense. It makes sense to sort of do that. Whether um... so unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, no, it makes sense. Oh well. Yeah, but um, I think if you know, Mortal Kombat for the Vita is going to be released. Did you say it was this week? I think it'll be next month. I, next month. I, I'm, I'm pretty uh, sure like it, around the, the towards the end of <laughs> April. I think. Tell them to wait a year, because you said so. Oh, I'll just import it. <laughs> but anyway, moving right along, we'll we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. I'll definitely be mentioning the Mortal Kombat when it comes out on the Vita anyway. 
regardless of whether it's illegal or not, because I'm just a rebel. <laughs> uh, Mass Effect 3, uh, we talked about the demo in the last episode, and that was great. Uh, I've played a little bit of it. I played the basically, not really spoiling it, the first mission is the Earth mission from the demo. So I played through that and then got up to the next mission, and I'm sort of halfway through that mission. I haven't really played it a lot. Um, I'm actually dreading a lot of people spoiling it because every five, everywhere I look, people are posting on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Oh, I just finished Mass Effect Three. You're not real happy with it, or, or you know, haters are gonna hate and all this shit. So can I, I can I just ending? Yeah. Say, uh, I the last week or the week before, I'm not sure. It all it all seems to be the same at the moment, but. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I think it was an N4G article that came up in my Twitter feed about so many signatures on a petition oh. to Bioware to change the ending of Mass Effect 3. Yeah. And I just felt so gobsmacked by those who can't accept a finished product. Like, you know when you watch a film, either at the cinema or on TV, yeah, yeah. or you read a book and you get to the end and you go, well, that was shit. Yeah, let's I'm write have a petition toast now. You know, like I'm going to get on with my life. Yeah, yeah that's like that's actually what happened at the end of Mass Effect Three. Sorry, guys, massive spoiler. But what happens is Shepard starts a petition on the internet about <laughs> the Reavers, and the Reavers like thought, "Come on, that's so not fair." But there were just so many signatures. They went, "Oh, I guess we're going to have to go." Yeah, the the internet are yeah. angry at us. Or an yeah. alternate ending is Shepard became a troll on Twitter. And, you know. and, and when Reefers lol, <laughs> he more like losers. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, haters no. gonna hate. He, <laughs> he decided being a commander is too much work, so he just started taking photos of cats, putting funny <laughs> captions on them. No, 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 cats with Vivizalas. I'm sorry, everything's got to be about Vivizalas now. Oh, okay. I mean, come on, look, My at bad. the end of the day, let's, let's face it, you know, with this whole choice of male, female, shepherd, whatever you decide to go with, at the end, he basically wakes up. He had surgery. He is now a woman. And what yeah, you just played right. through was what happens, you know, with, with a bit of anaesthetic. That's all yeah. it was, guys. And yeah, that's, that's actually pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> oh dear. That's a simple, you know. Fuck, take it back to EB. Get your money back. With, without Bioware alone, they don't care. Yeah, if you buy it and finish it within two weeks, you know, you can you can trade in uh, pre-owned with with one week, I think. Yeah. And um, brand new, you got two weeks. So. Without denigrating the fans too much, um, I think there's a, a there is a little bit of literature about that people have written that is actually quite intelligent. So, um, and I'm fairly certain their arguments are well made, and they don't get all trolly and and offensive and stuff. So yeah. at least there's that. But I'm fairly yeah, certain uh, that they're not going to fucking achieve anything. Uh, I'm more... No, because you know I thought Twilight sucked, <laughs> and I wrote to them demanding that they change it. Stephanie Myers, you are. You need to just change your shit. You need to change your idea, your story, your production yeah. to suit me. Your intellectual Don't property you know must <laughs> satisfy me. Mm. For fuck's sake. Like, 
have a little I'm fucking sorry. respect for us. I am not. I'm not. I don't really want to sit here and point the finger at people and say stop being so ungrateful. But video games are an art, just like music, just like film, just like books. You don't have to fucking like it. <laughs> Jesus, she's getting fired I'm, up. No, but it's true. Yeah, I totally you agree. Demand, you don't demand that they change it to your liking. If it's food and they put coriander in it and you told them, please don't put coriander in it, fair enough. <laughs> but you didn't tell Bioware not to put coriander in it. And if they did, that's too bad. They won't change it. Uh, that's spicing up Mass Effect 3. <laughs> 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 that was great. And I'm not uh, and I'm not saying it in a in a disrespectful way. Don't think that, you know, I'm sort of snubbing my nose at these people and thinking, well, you're pathetic and you have no lives. Maybe you are and maybe you don't, but man. you just can't <laughs> demand you make you, you change it. You just can't do that. Well, um <laughs> <laughs> I think it was someone from Bioware actually responded to it. And, um, oh, here we go, executive producer, I think it was. Uh, he basically said that they wanted the game ending, they did the game ending the way they did because they wanted it to be memorable. They didn't want it to be a game that people would just play and forget, like, uh, you know, every other fucking game out there. So, good for them. Very cool. As, if, as long as they're happy with it, that's all that fucking matters, you know? You can't... Oh, it's their baby. Whatever. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Once I've played it, <laughs> once I've played it, if I'm firmly outraged, then I'll be sure to mention it on here, the same as I was outraged with Uncharted 3. But um, <laughs> speaking of which, we're going to talk a bit about Uncharted 3 later when we talk about Golden Abyss. But we better kick along because we've just spent <laughs> way too long talking about Mass Effect 3 when we didn't even talk about Mass Effect 3, really. Um, so... <laughs> Before we get into, we've got, yeah, like I said, three games we're going to mainly talk about, but I'm just going to, um, you know, last week I mentioned I had a, last week, last episode I mentioned that I got a Vita and I've been playing a few games and I think I mentioned uh, Luminous and FIFA Football and some of the others, but um, I've recently, well, since then I've played a few other Vita games and I thought I might mention them just quickly. Um First of all, uh, Plants vs. Zombies. You know, that's your, hey. your standard game across every friggin' platform. Yeah? Come on, but there was never a more worthwhile game to be on every platform. It's a great game. It is. Do you know Do you know how hard it is playing that game on the Xbox when you're in the bathtub? There is a solution. You get it on your phone and you can play <laughs> it while you're in the bathtub. <laughs> well, there you go. Or a Vita. Or a Vita. So the there's a, <laughs> I'll just quickly mention one or two features in each game that I think were, were worth mentioning. Maybe not. Um, Plants vs. Zombies, something that's interesting is the only... Well, I mean, obviously it uses touchscreen because it's designed like that on every other friggin' platform. Well, smartphones anyway. <laughs> but um, the... it If a... Uh, I don't know if this is in the, the iPod versions or anything, but with when the stars or suns or whatever drop down, that so you need to, yeah, you yep. with me? I'm not explaining it very well. 
Well, yeah. your sunflowers and and the random suns when you yeah yeah, yeah and and yeah, mushrooms yeah. as well. Some mushrooms make the suns pop up, which you use as sort of money or whatever resources to plant. Yeah, the mushrooms. Yeah? The mushrooms are for nighttime levels. Yeah. So whenever one of those um, suns is or stars or whatever drops onto the screen, all you have to do is touch the the back touch screen. No matter where it is on the screen, you just touch on the back touchpad and any that are on the screen automatically go into your supply. That's all right. pretty cool. And the same That's with handy. coins as well because coins pop up and you get money as you play. Oh, yeah. So, That's really good. Yeah, so you won't because the coins disappear over time. I don't know if the suns do, but the coins do. And sometimes they're hard to see if they're behind a bunch of zombies and stuff. But if you, all you have to do is touch the back touchpad and everything that's on the screen to be collected gets collected, which is pretty cool. It's good. I think there might be some other Vita features with it. But uh, I can't think of any right now, so forget about that. I also played <laughs> Everybody's Golf, which is in America is called Hot Shots Golf. And it's actually pretty fun and addictive for a golf game. Um, it's I think there's everybody's golf on PS3, but uh, yeah, I've been enjoying that. I won't go into that because I haven't played it that much. All I know about it is that I started playing and I thought, I'll just give this a crack, see what it's like, and then I ended up not playing any other games for about three days. Except That's pretty that. good. So, Very yeah, impressive. that's kind of what you want in a sports game, though. Like, I heard a discussion about it somewhere recently where they are talking about... Um, you know, certain games are repetitive and it's really friggin' annoying. And then there's games that know they're repetitive, like sports games and puzzle games. And so they don't try and go about not being repetitive. They try to make it more, you know, add yeah. elements and challenges to, if you know. If, if playing the game is actually enjoyable, that, I think that's the key with sports games because they're so abstract. Playing a, playing a golf game on a, on a console... Um, anything short of being on, um, I don't know, Move or Wii or something, uh, you know, is not going to resemble playing golf at all. But if the actions of and the mechanics of playing playing it, your inputs, etc., and your choices are actually a great deal of fun, then yeah, absolutely, you'll you'll go back to it. I think that's the key to making those great little games. Yeah. So, um, I used to play um, Tiger Woods golf heaps and heaps against my mates on the PS3. I think. So. You know, it's really odd because I yeah I used to play I forgot what it was called like PGA Championship Golf or something on Commodore sixty four I don't know there's this weird thing about golf games that's just yeah. oddly oddly enjoyable <laughs> yeah and yet if I went to go play a round of golf I'd get sick of it because all you have to do is walk around or drive <laughs> a little buggy and you know hit a ball and then wait another I guess that's probably what makes me like it you can you can skip other people's turns the computer player's turns, you can just go <laughs> skip, skip, which is nice for an impatient Gen Y like myself. Um, <laughs> Wipeout 2048. Basically, this game is, uh, it has cross-play functionality where you can play multiplayer against people who have Wipeout HD on the PS3, which Whoa. is, that's pretty cool. And, um, I mean, I suppose it's pretty cool <laughs> if you yeah. like racing games. Wipeout's a pretty fun game. The graphics are really really beautiful on the Vita with this and uh, the thing that stood out to me the most is actually the menus normally you know people complain about menus or they they say they like the menus in a game personally I don't actually give a shit (laughs) 
I'm more interested in the actual game than the functionality of the menus, but they just look really <laughs> um, neat and cool in this, so I like it. And that's all I'm going to mention about Wipeout. They've got a bit of history in that, though, when they had the Designers Republic do their um, their whole menu and motifs. Uh, Wipeout's just always been this really slick, wonderful game, so I, I kind of like that, and I like that it was always that PlayStation brand that pushed the graphics of their hardware, so... You know, um, yeah, yeah I, I kind of like that it's been one of those staples. Too. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I haven't played any of the multiplayer online with it yet because I basically did two races and then because I got so many games, I just wanted to see what it was like. But uh, the last one that I'll mention is Unit 13. I don't think I mentioned it last episode. I don't even know if it was out. When... It's a zipper game. Yeah, zipper. Uh, also, you may know zipper from such classics as SOCOM, the SOCOM series, and of course, MAG. MAG. Mm. I don't know if any of you guys have played MAG. It's a, <laughs> it's this, this massively no. massive action game. Yeah. No. Sounds, <laughs> Sounds great. Cool. It's, yeah, it's in, in, th- in three weeks, is it, Susie? Susie's gone yep. from, uh, I just bought this game to freaking level, oh, god damn, what are you, 40-something? Um, 50-something, I think, now. There you go, 50. 50, and I'm level <laughs> sucks no matter what level I am. I, that's how it is at the start, but you know what? You, you guys are all, you know, you're doing so much better at the start than I ever did, which was like turn up and say, hello, everybody, and get shot. So, yeah. Oh, actually, I, I will say one little thing about Mag. Um, you guys might remember once upon a time I was talking about what it's like playing games online, particularly as a girl where you're either loved or hated sometimes in multiplayer. Yeah. And we were playing Mag last week and one of the other squad leaders, who only I could hear, um, the others couldn't hear it, but he kept calling me a Collingwood supporter <laughs> and kept shooting me. And I'm thinking, you know, these these insults have just gotten to a whole new low. <laughs> that is like, pretty bad. I'd, I, I'd, I'd probably... Rage quit that, if someone called when, me. When did Halo order. players buy PlayStations? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just pure Halo behavior. That is the first place I encountered really horrible online behavior. Yeah, I think they invented it. Yeah. Sorry, not that. Nah, look, there, there were probably plenty of PC games before it, but. Uh... So, yeah, Unit 13, Super, and uh, basically it's. It's a lot like the SOCOM games in the uh, kind of over the shoulder third person shooter kind of stuff. But it, it actually controls really, really well on the Vita, which is surprising, which because it's the first obviously the first shooter on the on the new console. So it was kind of a kind of make or break make or break sort of thing. Uh, yeah. it's got um, short missions, which are there's thirty six or possibly forty, I think thirty six short missions that are between sort of two to eight minutes. So you can kind of just pick it up play it and they're not they're not in a sort of storyline kind of you can play whichever one you want so um that's good and they're spread across five different modes i think there's like covert where you got to sneak in and you know you get points if you don't kill anyone and if you don't get noticed by anyone while you go in and complete your objective and get out you know kind of standard stuff like that and then there's the um the get in kill everyone and get out as quick as you can, deadline missions. So, yep. you know, it, there's a lot of different variations to it and um, it's, there's 
a daily mission every day. I think they're committed to doing a new one every day for the first year at least. And uh, so there'll be no repeats for the first year, I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just a, one of those game modes selected and then they just make up a level. It's I think there's about six different levels maybe that you, you go between. So uh, across the 36 map, uh, sorry, six maps across the 36 levels. So it's actually a really good game and I'd definitely recommend it. I'll probably get around to writing a review for it at some point. But uh, yeah, if you... If you uh, have a Vita and you want to play a decent shooter, definitely check out Unit 13 because obviously with a launch title, you would think that a you know the first shooter on a launch uh, at launch of a console is going to be nothing in comparison to what will be out in the next couple of years. Mm. And you know the the caliber of this is pretty uh, makes it look pretty good for the future. Cool. But anyway. That's enough about the Vita. We will move on. Uh, Susie, do you want to introduce this? I will. I will indeed. Um, so, this is now Tim's debut review. Ah, oh, that rhymed. <laughs> um, and we're going to have a little chat with him about Journey, which has just come out on the PlayStation 3. It's been around for about two weeks now for plus subscribers, but... Um, it uh, seems that this is a game that was right up Tim's alley, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Tim, what is Journey? What is Journey? Journey is the uh, fourth game made by that game company, third that has been released on um, PS3 PlayStation Network or Sony Entertainment Network or whatever the flying shit they call it these days. Um, it's the uh, it's the third in a, a, a three-game exclusivity contract as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, but I tell you what, uh, anyway, I'll get on to that later. <laughs> I was just going to say Santa Monica Studios, Sony Santa Monica Studios is actually one of the strongest gaming development stu- houses in the current market, I believe. And they're sort of like a second, well, they're, they're probably an in-house first party of Sony. But um, just if you look up their Wikipedia and the things they've contributed to, including all of that, that game company's games, um, they're actually phenomenal, phenomenal uh, people. So yeah, they've as done a, that like company. pretty much every exclusive they've had a finger in, I think. Yeah. Um, really great, great um, coders and designers. Anyway, Journey is, if you want to talk about what it is, as in how it looks and how it plays, you will play a, uh, from a third-person perspective of a human-type figure. Um, and, wow, it, it's really hard to talk about Journey without spoiling it, without losing that sense of discovery where you, you've just got to go on this journey. I mean, that might sound really cliched and tacky, but it's true. You're going to discover things, you see things, and... Um, and you you have this experience now. If you know what that game company games are like, starting from Flow, where um, which was actually Genoa Chen's graduation thesis, I, th- I believe uh, it was originally in HTML format, free on uh, online, and I think he's probably still got them up, that up. They, uh, I, I believe, if it wasn't Santa Monica, it may have been when he formed that game company. HDified it and released it on the PSN, and it's definitely worth getting. It's a gorgeous game and a lot of fun. But um, he's always had a philosophy of 
change and evolution as you play. So that's something that carries from flow to flower to journey. And that's definitely something that happens in journey as you go on, on this, this experience uh, and, and you see things and you start doing things, you begin to evolve a little bit. So it, it's, it's a very quiet, surreal and abstract uh, story that you will experience. Um, there's no dialogue. There's no reading to be done. Um, so, yeah, I guess if you've played Flower, you, you sort of know a little bit of what to expect. There is a story there. Um, and, yeah, it, it's that surrealist abstract stuff. So, all the yes, things, all the things yeah. you love. All the things <laughs> I absolutely love. <laughs> so um, how long did it actually take you to get through it? My first playthrough, I played across three sessions, um, and I did roughly two levels, I believe, per session. Um, I actually don't really know because I kind of lose myself when I play it, but I suspect it's between three to four, three to five hours, um, depending on how much you linger on things. Um, Mm -hmm. Me being someone who loves that game company and who always lingers on things, even on my first playthrough of Flower, I spent so much time just in the first level because it was such a delight to play. Um, I suspect my my play sessions are longer and there are times where I do just stop and and look and and be in this place. Um, It's got a very, very strong sense of place. I mean, whenever I talk about it, when I throw around all these positive adjectives, you know, it, it... it's up to you how much you, you suspend your disbelief and how much you get into it. And understandably, it's not going to be everyone's game, and that's fine. The aesthetic might not suit. Some people like more rich detail and, and love, you know, your, your Skyrims and your Fallouts. And there's, that's fine. You know, it, this may not be the game for you, but um, but it but it is somewhere where, where someone like me can lose themselves. Anyone who's into minimalist or abstract and surreal things hopefully will, will, will love it. So, yeah, probably five hours. No. <laughs> oh, I I agree with you where you said um about suspending your uh, your disbelief about the game because I you know I heard a lot about it before I played through it and my play I actually finished the game in only ninety minutes so wow. I, I guess I went through pretty quickly <laughs> but I was I was kind of like I I guess I'm that kind of gamer although in in a lot of RPGs and stuff I spend a lot of time wandering around discovering stuff. Um, it's just that I didn't know quite what to expect in Journey, and I was kind of, I guess that's one of the things about it. It's like each each playthrough is going to be different yeah. depending on the player, and I kind of was like, I don't, I wasn't sure what I was there for, so I kind of wanted to just stay on track, I guess. I didn't ah. want to stray off the path too much, Yeah, which is and a pretty that, interesting that's... way to play the game, I think, as well. Absolutely. Look, with a lot of these games, they either will or won't invite you to explore. For me, as soon as I see the space, I just want to see everything I can and take my time. There's no... That game company games uh, have a few common themes. They tend to be lower in threat, although at some point there will be a threat. There's never any score, not directly. Um, It it becomes an abstract that's more or less introduced after your first playthrough. Um, It was the same with Flower. And there's usually very little pressure, especially early on. Um, 
it's because that sense of threat and pressure will become a very valuable narrative tool for a very specific point in the story, and that was exactly the same in Flower. There are a lot of similarities between Flower and, and Journey. And, you know, you endure that and you learn something from it and then you move on and more or less, you know, towards the end of the game, that threat will be removed. But um, it, it just... To me, anyway, it makes it more meaningful to the narrative. It's not just an enemy that will kill you, which stops your play session and removes your progress to your last checkpoint. It actually means something when that happens to you, when you're subject to that threat. Um, so uh, I guess, yeah, I guess that's part of the expectation that I have with that game company games is that I want to be able to spend time in there. I want, you know, I'm already provoked to go and explore and take my time and get into every corner of each level that I can just to see it. Um, and, and I do understand that that's not directly encouraged or communicated in the game so there may be players who sort of are looking for an objective or are looking to be shown what to do and so we'll, we'll sort of play through it and there's nothing wrong with that and you may not enjoy the game as much as others but there will be a lot that you miss you know there there is a fair bit to offer off the beaten track if there is one in journey yeah one one thing that's sorry wait this is probably dragging out longer than you wanted to see the when I completed it, I got three trophies, and I thought, you know, this game has more than three trophies. I haven't had a look at the trophy list yet, but I presume that they're to do with exploring a lot. And um, the, I guess the reason that I kind of ploughed through it, I had heard someone mention that it, it took them two hours to complete it, so I just assumed that that was the amount of time for the game, and um, and I kind of I, I didn't really want to commit more than two I wanted to play through it in one sitting yeah because just because I wanted to um, just get into the zone I guess as much as possible yeah look we're, we're, just because I'm such a mad rabid that game company fan um, as soon as I knew they were making a new game I think I watched one or two clips of it and that's it I won't read anything I won't know anything I'll go into this game not knowing anything at all and then I, you know, I'll allow it to unfold around me. Um, I guess that that's a skill, hopefully, that one picks up in life, not just with games, with films and books, where you try and be as open-minded as possible. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, and Susie and I have discussed it about films. Sometimes you're not in the right frame of mind. So, were I not in the right frame of mind for Journey, I would not have played it. I would not have played it when I did. Um, you know, and even though I, I talk about play, replaying Flower a lot, and I'm already starting to replay Journey a lot, there are times where it's just not something that I want to spend my time on. So, um, you know, it, it's it's very much dependent on that, the frame of mind that you you approach it with. Because mm. mm-hmm. I know um, I played the first two levels of it um, when it came out on um, PlayStation Plus, and which kind of leads into the next question I have for you. Um, because in the second level, I came across the bridge and there someone was. And I thought, oh, look at this AI person. What are they doing? Because they kept doing something and then scurrying off and then I'd follow after them. And they more or less built a bridge. But then in the next part, there were three. So what's going on there? Uh, There's... Well, there may have been three, but usually there's, you're only supposed to be paired with one other person. 
Okay. Um, so I'm not too sure what happened. Oh, I, I don't know for sure. It's not. I've done very little reading on it. I don't. I don't want to yeah. find out. Oh, if you go over here and do this, you'll get the thing. And the thing. No, no, no. I'm not interested in that. Not yet, anyway. But um. So for all I know, you're only supposed to be paired with one person. It may have been a thing that when the level loads, if you finish the previous level with, with with someone at, at exactly the same time I think they come in with you so maybe the server was inserting someone else as well yeah. I don't if know. you played for a little bit you may have one of them may have disappeared but the thing about multiplayer in journey is wow it's like <laughs> so essentially essentially what I thought was AI was really someone else yes yeah. yes it was a human player journey does have a multiplayer component it will at some point, if you are online, I'm not too sure whether you can actually play it offline. I haven't tried. I haven't pulled out my cable or something. Um, but it will insert someone who's playing the same level into your game, either at the start of the game or at any point. I think it's just got this constant cloud-searching server that will put two people together. Mm. Now, you, you, there's no microphone chat. There's no text chat. You have a button that you can press that emits a symbol, which also allows you to do a few other things in-game. And you just you just almost sing to one another with this single sound. If you tap it, it'll make a sound. If you hold it for a little bit, it'll make a little bit of a different sound and your character sort of lifts its head a little bit. And if you hold it down, you do a little bit of a leap in the air and, and there's a, a quite a larger sound. It has a practical use because you can locate one another with it. Um, there's also a nice little touch in Journey where if the other player is off screen, then there'll be a glowing at the edge of the screen that will indicate what direction they're in. Mm. Um, and you, the two of you together, journey is really all about this journey that you take. And, um, oh, geez, without trying to spoil it, it is about this progressive learning all about this place and, and these sentient creatures. And you get the idea that, that there are a lot of you going on this sort of journey, um, now, because of that, like everything in Journey, like everything in that game company's games, anything that has a mechanical use, as in, in a, a game mechanic use, has a philosophical meaning as well. The, the, when you have another player with you, when you're in very close proximity, almost touching, um, you will regain uh, an ability that you have, one of the only abilities that you have, which is sort of to fly. Um, so you, you have a, a, a scarf that indicates how long you can fly or how, or how high you can jump, etc. And when you come together, you both fill that up, you know, from each other's energy in a sense. And so you can accomplish things by being around one another that you may not be able to where you're on your own. And, and that without trying to spoil too much, I'm becoming vague now, but towards the end, that that's, that really has a wonderful meaning. Um, yeah. The same thing, just I want to have a little quick comment about mechanics about the game too that just totally blew me away, uh, but I should have expected it because that game company is just freaking disciplined, is that that jump fly sort of button, again, has a meaning, the reason why you do it and where you do it. And because of that, if there's like a one and a half foot ledge in front of you, just push your character towards it and they'll step up. You don't need to press the jump button. And it, that's, that serves you twofold. It serves you mechanically because it's stupid to have to press a jump button to jump up a tiny little ledge. And also secondarily, it means that you use your jump in a meaningful way. You, you do it for specific reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that is just a level of discipline and a level of respect and maturity from the developers to you as a gamer that so many developers, AAA and otherwise – just will just do not understand or are not brave enough to make. Mm. 
So, sorry, that, that sort of thing impresses me. That's a tiny detail that just says, wow, I don't need to press jump up every bloody yeah. two-foot-high ledge. You know, I know the character's capable of getting up there, so it just gets up there. Yeah. You know, fan the, the way it teaches you as you play <laughs> is um, is really... It, it's really kind of... I don't know if the right word, but, like, intuitive. Like, yes. that whole floating, flying thing, I... You know, I was I was jumping around crazily because I'm used to World of Warcraft and Halo, I guess. <laughs> and Halo jumpers, man. Yeah, and so it got <laughs> to the point where I was very quickly where I was like, oh, I can't do it anymore because I, you know, run out of power. And the the little recharge, there's little areas where you can recharge. You're uh, you're floating. If there's not, if you're obviously like you mentioned, your teammate can or the other player can. Uh, can help you, yeah. but um, you know that you get the the idea that you shouldn't be fucking wasting your jumping on nothing, <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> well, but but you can though because it's part of the. Well, if once again, if you you're sort of attuned and and sensitive to the sense of play in this game, and I guess I got it a lot from Flower, where Flower, it's just such a joy to fly that you don't have to be fulfilling any objectives. You just fly. Oh, for me, I just flew around because I loved it. Um, that journey, I think gives you some high ledges you can get to simply so that you can leap off and glide and fly. And yeah, it's, it's for me, I enjoy doing that so much and you achieve nothing other than enjoying doing it. You know what I mean? And, and that has been such a wonderful and strong, powerful element of their games is that just being in the game is already fun. You, you're not, you're not doing anything. You're not fulfilling an objective and being rewarded for it. Not a cutscene. Not opening up new areas. Just being there, moving about, and and moving. Just doing is is something that's fun. So obviously, you can hear as I emphatically talk about it that I'm very very in in favour of this kind of design. I love all my traditional games. There's, there's nothing wrong with them. In a way, I think that game company games have so much power because so many of us are game literate and we don't hate those other games, but this is something we more or less haven't seen and it's sort of playing games for different reasons and deriving reward from different in different ways to what we're usually used to. Mm. So in, in, sometimes I think the more game literate you are, the more you'll enjoy out of Journey if, if it's something that you're given to enjoying. Mm. All right. There you go. We've kind of jumped through these around jumped That's in right. and around these questions a bit. Did you... I don't know where you're up to, Susie. <laughs> no, it's pretty much... It, it, like, he's, I think he's pretty much answered it as think... far as what it, what it is. I guess it's just... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first question's done. <laughs> oh, look, it, 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 we, we probably haven't talked about the music um, and the sound design. Look, it's amazing. The music is really wonderful. It, it's sort of quartet chamber music. Um or, or chamber style or the, the sound once in a while you do get a little bit of a full orchestra and you get some wonderful swelling climaxes the, the music is phenomenal yeah. for, for this sort of thing the sound design is is wonderful again the, the sound that you emit when you sort of communicate and and do a few different things in the game the sound of air and your cloak flapping about and the bits of fabric the other sentient creatures and the sounds I mean, look it, it's just wonderful game design as much as i've tried to sort of be a little bit abstract in how I talk about it and I keep backing off from saying specific things, get in there and experience it. It is just, you know, you might hate it, but if you 
you know, you give, give it a chance. Uh, you know, it may be a really, really wonderful experience for you. Yeah. I Even just talking about it, I'm remembering sort of the, uh, the kind of, I guess, emotional um, responses that I kind of had as I was playing through it, which is kind right. of weird for most games. I suppose things like Uncharted and stuff like that, I get my standard, you know, suspense build-up and uh, all that kind of stuff. But uh, the way that, that, that this game sort of drew out the emotion, because I'd heard a lot about that kind of, what the, the effects, mm. that doesn't really explain what I mean. Um, I kind of had heard, oh, you know, this, this part of this game made me feel this way really strongly. And I was like thinking to myself, how the fucking, you know... <laughs> You know that sounds kind of gay. <laughs> not that I uh, look. I, I I'm not proud. That I, you know, I, I'm proud to say that after my first after my first playing, I needed a moment to myself, and it, it pretty much made me cry. And it, it was one of the most powerful gaming experiences yeah. I've ever had. I, so I, I think only one game has made me cry before that, and it was Flower. So you know, <laughs> just kudos. That game. I am officially a, a died diehard that game company fan and as i've made some comments on social media before for me personally i believe that it is not only a frontier of of game design it is the frontier it's one of the most important frontiers of game design from an emotional standpoint from a narrative standpoint and from a purely mechanical and design standpoint these people are doing things that will affect the way we think about and play games for generations to come Hmm. yeah nice Cool. But I couldn't get the best gun, so it was shit, and I had lag. <laughs> yeah. the, guy, the guy I was playing with wouldn't fucking do what I told him to. <laughs> I put the frago on the fucking piece of fabric, and he fucking didn't go there, so we all got killed. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, we, we lacked swears in that during the review, so I just had to put some more in. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for the fucking review, Tim. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah. That's that's pretty good final thoughts, but uh, I'm going to ruin it by adding one more thing. <laughs> um, yeah, like that you said, you took a moment to yourself. I kind of just sat there while the credits were rolling. You know, normally people, I guess I in most games, unless there's a trophy for watching the credits, <laughs> I tend to just skip them. Although Rayman Origins, I I played through the well, watched the credits. There was a little bit of a mini game in the credits, but um. Yeah, in Journey, I just was sitting there listening to the music and uh, thinking about it. So, mm. and fucking hell, those credits for <laughs> that game company has twelve people in the in the team, yeah, not including testers, and the fucking credits go on forever. A lot of that's Santa Monica, and, yeah, and, uh, and localization and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, like ser- seriously, Santa Monica. Uh, well. I guess I'm not really, I haven't paid that much attention to media. So for all I know, someone like Gamma Sutra, it makes sense that that would be the corner of the world that would do it, although maybe not these days. But Santa Monica, seriously, are deserving of so much more attention. Those people are just good at what they do. Yeah. Speaking of um, end credits, um, was there any mention? I One thing I actually do love to see um, with game credits, I don't know. I, I could be a weirdo or something, but I, I get a lot of joy when game credits feature the production babies. Yeah, no, I don't think that's weird at all. That's wonderful. Um, and because I think they did it for Gears Three, 
And yeah. I just love looking at the names of all these babies that were born <laughs> during the time of development. I, is I didn't notice anything like that. I've, oh. I've got to, I've got to watch them again because I, I even the second time I finished it I was just having that moment so yeah. I sort of half read the earlier credits but yeah I'll, it, I'll pay more attention. <laughs> it, it thanks the fans at the end. Yeah, yeah. and um, actually fans. one thing that I really liked because in the game you don't know who the person that you're playing like you you said Susie that you thought the person was an AI AI person yeah. because yeah. there's no mention of their gamer tag or anything or PSN ID or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And um, so I played through it, and I, you know, you obviously Tim mentioned the the symbol that comes up when you make your noise. Yep. And uh, I'm uh, each player that you meet has a different symbol, and so yes. in in your one playthrough, yeah. you'll never meet a person who has the same as another person in that playthrough. Oh, and then when you complete the game and finish through the credits, it says companions met along the way. And it and it says the PSN IDs and the symbols that those people I, had. You know, I really love that. That multiplayer element is perfect because it it it's almost like if you're going to come into this world, you shed your identity and you become yeah. this creature, and your story becomes that story, and you share this journey with someone you know is a human person on the other end of the of the network, but but they've also shared their identity and the only thing you have in common is being in this place and being these creatures. Yeah. And at the end, you'll understand who was with you on this journey. And I mean, I, I don't know, the chances of you playing a game with someone on your friends list are probably extremely low, even if everybody has it and is playing yeah. it. But but it doesn't matter. It's just this very wonderful and abstract connection that you get and, yeah. and it's all tied up into losing yourself in journey and i'm sure there are some people who just played it and didn't get it and that's fine it doesn't mean there's something wrong with them and you know that's not their thing but you know so i, I sort of have to keep saying that because i don't want people to think they're missing out if they don't understand yeah. it it's a game it's a very focused game on what it does which means that naturally by nature it's, it's going to exclude some people and that's cool like don't worry about it i'm never someone here who's going to say man this is the best game ever and if you don't understand it that means you're shit and you're immature and stuff <laughs> nah that that's not the case don't worry about it um you will have a similar game and it's going to be like some people go ape shit over metal gear and i don't really understand that but i can sort of see it and good on them you know that's a wonderful thing and, mm. and i'm glad people are making journey i'm glad people are making traditional games you know i'm glad people are still making games out of fucking menus like Final Fantasy, but, you know, good on you. <laughs> that, that's, that's awesome. Like, yeah. Enjoy it. Um, yeah, well, like, like that, companions that you met along the way, just one final thing about it um, since we're kind of dragging on. But um, th there was one, because I knew that about the symbols, that it, there was no, that the kind of, the, you wouldn't see someone with the same symbol. Mm. And so I was watching to see if the symbol changed from level to level if it was dumping a different person in. And I only actually noticed one symbol with the person, but it ended up that uh, there had been another person in my game at the beginning. But the whole majority of the game was this one person that I kicked along with. And I kind of, when I saw, I didn't expect to see the, the game, the user ID at the end. And when right. I saw it, I just kind of thought, man, I felt this massive urge to just quickly copy it down and send him a message just saying thank you you know yeah. 
That, that was just a feeling that I had. I was like, fuck. You're, you're lucky because that's pretty rare. I think um, uh, a lot of people's experience, including myself, is is um, six or eight different people each time. So that, that's amazing. Like, good on you. That, that's such a such a great thing to have had happen. Yeah, and it was just, just one person the whole way through. We were kind of, you know, oh, man. I just felt like saying thank you. <laughs> it's it's the fucking weirdest thing, eh? It has that effect on you. Yeah, oh. like that, that sense of humility and gratefulness. Um, yeah. So anyway, we should probably stop yeah. flexing there. Yeah, sorry, it's a fucking awesome game. <laughs> if you don't like it, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, it's twenty dollars. Seriously, yeah. you know this is not a hundred dollar game. Like uh, this is what I mean when I mean even the price point of this is perfect. It's a downloadable game. It's twenty dollars, and it is rich with so many things as a as a study of game design on every level from commercial activity to production to mechanic to emotional engagement to narrative you know to learning and 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 educating the player w- with the in-game tools you know it, it is just uh, you know it's fucking anyway hard yeah, to so I, I, it, too long didn't read i'm a fanboy <laughs> no it's it's very hard. it's kind of fucking hard to explain the game and not make it sort of explain it in any way that makes it make sense yeah. at all. It, it, yeah. It, 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 when you, whenever you talk about it in words, you seem like you're diminishing um, its meaning. And, yeah. Which, you know, you know, even saying that, it sounds fucking, you know, a bit yeah. retarded. But that's not the <laughs> word. It's just, it doesn't, uh, you can't do it justice. It's a fantastic <laughs> game. And, um, yeah, I don't know, finishing playing, you know, I, f- I feel like, you feel like you have a connection with anyone who's played this game and it's like you can't yeah. put it into words but you feel like you're in an exclusive group. That's how <laughs> I feel. Except there's probably thousands and thousands of people who've played it and they all have different experiences but I just feel like like there's this secret that I'm a part of. Yeah. And it's a pretty good feeling. There's a whole big, long philosophical discussion about the narrative of the game, but it's way too early. Like, it's only been out for a couple of weeks, so it's it's that spoilerific. It's something to do months down the track. Yeah, um, I'll probably and, I'll and, and I, and I think it, it will. It, I think it'll tie into what you're saying, that, that sensation you have of having shared this thing. Um, that is very central to the theme of, of what is happening in Journey. But uh, I, I think that's probably where we should leave it. Yeah, don't want to go on to it too much. We can always talk I'm... about it in an extra bit further down the line <laughs> on, a, on a final note of journey i must ask is this a game that belongs in the pile of demanding that game company to change the ending oh look to be honest yeah i, I was expecting um the spaceships to uh to go down the exhaust port and actually blow up the the large master station and um han solo was supposed to be there like that's what i wanted so i didn't really... like that he didn't disable the guidance computer Ah, oh, I know, man. It's disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll start a petition. <laughs> so this is the trolling episode. <laughs> the, they usually are, but we're sometimes more subtle, I guess. But anyway, um, okay, so we'll move on. So, Susie, you've been playing a game, and it's yes. hopefully as, uh, as intellectually... Um, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> stimulating. Yeah, it's stimulating. Oh, it is, just in different ways. Intellectually stimulating his journey. Uh, Dungeon Village by Kairosoft, the guys who made 
game dev story and Hot Springs story or whatever. The- oh, an F1 story. They're actually awesome games and Susie's yeah. been playing a few. So tell us, what is Dungeon Village? Um, yes, Dungeon Village uh, came out about uh, two weeks ago, um, earlier this month. Uh, I've been playing it on Android and um, much like other Kairosoft games, uh, it basically is all about building, upgrading. The difference of this one as opposed to, say, Game Dev Story, where you have start with a little team and you build them up, similar uh, aspects of it, but this is actually designed just like an RPG to the point where they have a number of, of you know, X number of health, uh, attack, defence, and basically you are trying to lure them to be happy enough with the status of the town and the weapons you give them that you want them to stay so that they can pay taxes and, and all that, but they go out and fight monsters. It's all about tax. <laughs> so <laughs> I, after playing Game Deb Story, uh, I also played World Crew Story, not that long ago as well. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised, uh, supply, surprised <laughs> when I started playing Dungeon Village because uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a mad RPG player whatsoever. But um, this was surprisingly very, very, very good. Great. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to edit out that pregnant pause. Um, How does it it compare to other Kairosoft games? I get the feeling that um, it has similarities in the GUI, even though each game plays differently. Yes. Like menus. Yes. Um, Of course, the menus are still very much the same. Um, I guess the delight I get from each Kairosoft game is that I go in with a basic understanding of what I need to do, but there are subtle changes each time. of course, because each game is going to be different from the next and your objectives are going to be very, very different, even though um, it's still very much time-based. You want to certainly do the best that you can in any 12-month cycle. Um, And um, So the in-game cycle is 12 months? Yeah, yeah. Well, this this one was probably a little bit different. Um, For example, with... Um, say world cruise story you had a cruise plan that lasted for six months and you changed it every six months and you could change it in April and October each year um, to choose where you wanted to go and where you wanted to you know, use as a port of call for this um, 12 months is a pretty good cycle to know but it also has seasons so you can only run events per season um, running an event can either increase your town's popularity, it can increase stats of your players, um, you know, increase their health, increase their strength, increase their magic. So that's sort of like every every three months you'll be able to do a certain limit of, of events. Um, but every 12 months you will have an awards ceremony for all your people and you can give them a, a medal that uh, basically adds 10 you know, an extra 10 points for your overall satisfaction and level of work that they're willing to do for you. So uh, the satisfaction of work cap is 100. Uh, your health points, attack points, that's unlimited. So 
Um, and if they're satisfied, they'll gen- they'll probably end up living in your town. Um, of course, by the end of the game, like it, the same thing with with the others is by the time it reaches its its time limit, usually they the games are around about fifteen years, uh, fifteen or sixteen, depending. I think I think Game Dev Story was actually twenty years. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Yeah. So, but for this, the game ends in the sixteenth year, um, last week of the third month. So essentially, you're playing for it's a total of fifteen because you start in one year, month four, week one. So that would make sense. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> I know. I noticed it the other day. So it doesn't start on the first of January, year one. It already starts mid year. So um, it, it's it's still very much the same. It's it's your overall clear points by the time you reach you reach that that time. It sounds yeah. pretty amazing, though, because it seems that the more Kairosoft games you play, they they make you literate in their systems, and yet each game plays so uniquely. Um, that just sounds like a really cool design aspect. Yeah, um, I've always found I my general rule with them is I'll play it about three times. So by the time I finished it the first time, I'll go back, start a new new file, and play through it again. Because like any game, you will learn. You know, sort of tricks with it, what works, what doesn't work. Mm. Um, I've probably found I'm on my third playthrough of Dungeon Village now and I'm feeling like I'm actually not doing as well as I did on the second turn because mm-hmm. there are so many variables with it um, that I realise what worked well in the second turn um, and, of course, I'm not playing at the same this time around so I do change it up each time um, that of course is variety because normally when I finish a game that's it I, I'm not going to pick it up again for you know, a few months mm. so but to sort of to play through it once and then as soon as I finish playing it I start again is is pretty amazing so when, when you say that um, in game the, the one game is about 15 years in real real time in real life how, how much time is that um, I think a week is about 10 seconds. Okay. And there's four weeks a month. So, I don't know. You can do the math. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, um, in one, if I'm sitting there playing it start to finish, um, I've lost about three or four hours. Okay. I've only gone on maybe halfway through the game. So, I think, I think about six hours would be fair. Um but I must say, with all Kairosoft games, what I really, what really got me into just really appreciating what they were doing is most of the time when you play a game and you go into the menu, that's really the only time you can pause events that are happening. Whereas with Kairosoft games, if they're in the middle of a project or, um, for example, if you give them a quest to do, you can always go into the... the in-game menu to update your player, um, buy items from the shop, and everything pauses, allowing you to do certain things. Okay, that's cool. So, like, for example, in SimCity, you couldn't go to the pause menu and keep building, if you know what I mean. Yep. This game, like, Kairosoft stuff will always allow you to do it. 
I guess it's good because then the pressure isn't necessarily directly with time. You've always got the luxury of making certain decisions at certain times. You know, it's more, you know, the determination of each mission comes from the decisions you've made and then setting them in place. So, I mean, which is great for a mobile game because if you're playing on a tram, if you've got a couple of minutes before you head out or, you know what I mean, from home, then, yeah, that that, that sort of makes that time element um, work for it really well. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, are there any, um, is it similar to RPGs? Like one thing I noticed about Game Dev Story while you were playing it is that uh, it seems to have a lot of sort of meta jokes and, and cultural jokes and commentary about, um, <laughs> about you know, the, the whole game development history and, and cycle. There's a couple of yeah. RPG jokes. Um, I wouldn't say they're RPG-specific jokes, but um, the name of some of the characters in this, um, the, the names of the characters are always going to be the same. And um, in Dungeon Village, you are introduced to, I think it's a total of 25, I think it's a maximum of 25 adventurers that you meet. And um, uh, the names of some of them, I mean, some of them are quite funny. Like one's called Fluffy Kiss and the other one is Donkey Hottie, which I thought was quite funny. But um, they've, they've all got two names. So um, one guy here, his name is Clown Stripe. Um, <laughs> um, I guess one of them is her name is Chung Lila, <laughs> <laughs> and she's a kung fu master. Yeah, <laughs> with two little buns on her head. So that's cool because um, it's, so it's not just RPGs. Like that's a whole street no. reference. That's pretty yeah. Cool. Um, someone's name is Book Shields. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who else we got? Voldy Moore um, <laughs> and Harley Potler. So, so yeah, it's 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 look, it's very cute. Um, and that's probably if I was to describe Kairosoft games with one word, cute is definitely <laughs> one of them because, um, look, they they do look adorable when they're all running around, and I always play it in fast mode so that it speeds it up a bit, and they just look like they've just you know, snorted a whole bag of icing sugar and away they go. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to say, I love that about the um, cruise story or cruise ship story where they sit down at an ATM or at a computer or at the pokies or something and their arms are going bashing at things and it looks really awesome. <laughs> so of, of the Kairosoft games that you've played, how does Dungeon Village compare? Uh, Do you like it, it more or less or it's, it's, they've all got their own right? Yeah, yeah, they they all have their own right. It's like apples and oranges and grapes, and then you know maybe a nectarine. Um, <laughs> look, they're all they're all so different, and I guess just depending on their themes um, for what they are like. The the one in space I haven't played uh, probably isn't something I would play. Um, and there's the race car one and the soccer one. So I probably won't have a look at them. I don't know. You might want to check them out. <laughs> but, um, I did look so at the soccer one at one point and I said no. Because oh. it's not, I um, know, oh it's not pro either. You play, what do you play, FIFA? FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> so I think depending on the theme of it. Um, but then again, I was so pleasantly surprised because I saw World Crew Story and I think I got it because 
there was sort of a there was like a sale on the Android market a few weeks ago. So all the Cairo soft games were half price. Mm-hmm. And um and I saw it there and I thought, well, I'll play the light version because they all have the light versions available, which allow you to play about three years of the game. And I loved it. And I thought, I never thought I would see myself playing a game based on a cruise ship. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I thought it was great fun and it was so challenging. And even at times when I'm playing this, it is still so challenging because I'll, you know, put my best adventurers in to go and fight this boss and they just get pummeled and then I have to try again. (laughs) So... (laughs) It's not too frustrating. In fact, I, I find it fairly relaxing to play. A few moments are a bit a bit tough, but um, yeah. Look, overall, if I, I think it was four dollars eighty full price, it's well worth the money. Um, I think I think these guys do a great job with their developments. I don't encounter any bugs when I'm playing it, uh, so it's not like I it freezes or it, uh, I get an error. I, in fact, I've never gotten an error playing it. So they're quality products and um, good time I think, killers. I think we're at the point now where something as, as rich and dense as Kairosoft games, look, pay five bucks for them seriously, people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And if you play and 12 it, months ago, I was saying that about 99 cent games. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been, of each one I've paid for, I've played through it three times just trying to top my score. Because I know a little bit more than I did last time, and mm. I don't know. It, I, I always want to try and do better the second time I'm playing. So um, it, it's I've gotten I've gotten my money's worth absolutely. Well, it's got a average of four point eight stars on the Android Marketplace. Yeah. And I just looked on iTunes, and it's not even on there. Oh. So I I don't know. Maybe it's on the uh, US store. But it definitely is yeah. not in the Australian store. Hold on, I can check it. While we continue talking about random things while it loads. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't know. Sometimes things come out in America and they don't come out in on the Australian store for a little while after. But uh, well, sometimes they're device specific. Like they'll be on iOS for ages. Um. They've got to port them or localize them or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Um, looking at their site, they Kairosoft have released a number of games, but in big letters on each one. So Game Dev Story is for both. Hot Springs Story, Grand Prix Story. Pocket Academy is only on iOS, so not on Android. Mega Mall Story is on both. Pocket League Story is on both. Um, o Edo Towns is only on iOS. Um, Epic Astro Story, not on iOS. World Crew Story, not on iOS. Um, Venture Towns, on iOS. Um, and Dungeon Village, not available on iOS. Disappointing. But then again, well, I don't really they'll care. Probably, they'll probably release them at some point. It just depends on, the. you know, they might have two teams that work on one project or another and depending on when they finish, what platform they start developing for next and then they probably have a porting team or something. Mm. Yeah, you really mm. don't know, but um, that's usually what, oh, well. what affects it. I've got an Android, yeah. but I cracked the bloody screen yesterday. So that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and it makes it uh. shit so you're going back to iPod, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I'm going to write a petition. <laughs> 
we are shoehorning that into everything. Susie, you saw, you sure you don't want to write an email to Kyrosoft because the ending of their game is rubbish? Oh, they might not listen to me because I'm a woman. No. <laughs> Let's no, just I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, you're joking. Of course they wouldn't take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susie. Do yeah. you want to maybe... Uh, oh, sorry. Is there anything else we want to ask you about Dungeon Village and Pyrosoft? I reckon they're pretty yeah, awesome. No. They're, they're like becoming yeah, good little mobile. Oh, look, to be fair, I think that 4.8 out of 5 is is very it's way fair. too high. <laughs> I'm going to write a petition to all the reviewers. <laughs> <laughs> Their scores are too high. They need to change them immediately. Change your score. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't like yeah. your score. <laughs> anyway. No, I just thought that I just expected the score to be different. That's not what I expected. I expected so. 4.87. <laughs> yeah. And, and really, that's yeah. what the community wants. So seriously. Android, I'm no. actually disappointed that your review scores only go to one decimal place because clearly <laughs> that is not accurate enough for the masses. When you have 10,000 people reviewing a game, I think you need to go to at least two decimals, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should I should just petition them to get rid of all iOS <laughs> yeah, games. You know, support the Android community. Yeah, fuck you, <laughs> Apple. The oh, CEO just we... died, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you said it, Susie. Jesus. Bad person. Stop picking on me. Anyway. <laughs> Susie, do you want to kick off Matt with uh, yeah, what you've been playing? Oh. Matt, yes. you've been playing Uncharted Golden Abyss on the Venus, yes. correct? Fantastic. What's an Uncharted? <laughs> Uncharted <laughs> is Uncharted. Uh, Indiana Jones on a console with wit and... I suppose there's wit in Indiana Jones. Less fedoras. <laughs> so it, it is it a game that just has Harrison Ford grumpy? <laughs> I need to save my family. Well, he does go into libraries and bash holes in the floor, which is pretty awesome. I reckon, you know, that's on my bucket list of things <laughs> Just go to into do. a library and smash, it, <laughs> smash the joint. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Although somehow I don't think it'll quite work because they don't stamp the books anymore. <laughs> so Golden Abyss is actually not by Naughty Dog as the uh, other, you, you may know, the other Uncharted games are all created by Naughty Dog. Right. This one's actually by Bent Studios. I don't. I think they probably had some collaboration with Naughty Dog. You would think, since it's Naughty Dog's IP. But uh, basically, in Golden Abyss, it's set before Drake's Fortune, which is the first in the Uncharted series, and uh, it, it includes a slightly younger, but not as young as Uncharted Three, Nathan Drake, <laughs> and a little bit younger Sully as well. And basically, you are in, I don't know, the jungles of South America, searching for something, you know, the usual. Nathan Drake, climbing on uh, ruins and, you know, saving damsels in distress and whatnot. There's, right. there's some pretty cool scenes in uh, in sort of shanty towns and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's It's uncharted. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, um, G- 
going from having Uncharted on a console to now having it on handheld, um, what Vita features does it use? Uh, and which are fucking annoying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should cut that. Um, oh, fuck it. <laughs> no, um, we, we need to fire this questions person. Yeah. Okay. So basically, the console version, everyone knows it's the you know every Uncharted iteration of Uncharted is a kind of like a to push the limits of the PlayStation's capabilities, I guess. So, well, at least that's what they say. And um, the the general idea was that they would do that to show off the Vita's potential. And so I think Lucas mentioned in one of the previous episodes that he played it and he thought that the graphics were fantastic. Well, yes, they are. Uh, I'll have a review up at some point, which will have some screenshots because you can take screenshots in-game, which is nice. And um, that's one of the Vita features. <laughs> It's not annoying. Um, and so, yeah, the graphics are just phenomenal. It looks beautiful on the screen. But then you get the uh, the multitude of features that the Vita has, the hardware features. And obviously with Uncharted, they've um, used them all. So as you go through, you'd, you'd know from normal Uncharted games, you collect treasures throughout. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so what? What is there usually a hundred or two hundred treasures in a game? Oh, something like that. In in this, there is like friggin' at least three hundred tre- treasures for you to find, <laughs> and they vary from being treasures that you pick up to um, there's sort of uh, carvings on on walls and stuff like that, and you have to do charcoal rubbings where it, it shows a blank piece of paper on the screen and then you, like, rub it with your finger on the touch screen to do a charcoal rubbing. Mm. And um, okay. that's <laughs> a bit odd, but you kind of get used to it and it's not that annoying. And it, um, it, it, it gets used in other ways during the game where, you, you know, there's certain things where... It, it would actually... I, a couple of times I was thinking, you know, it'd be handy if Nathan Drake had remembered his charcoal rubbing skills sometimes during the the PS3 games because you know when uh, he gets something and it's got an engraving or something on it and then the, the bad guy inevitably gets it off him yeah yeah, yeah. that that happens at <laughs> one point in this game except that he's done a charcoal rubbing of the engravings on it so the bad guy can have it because I've already got the, <laughs> the you know clues that I need uh-huh. Um, the game, actually, one annoying thing about the game, which is not a Vita thing, it's a fucking Uncharted thing, is the uh, <laughs> the old. Yep, I'm at the next area in the game. I've escaped from the bad guys. There's no possible way that they could have followed me here. Oh shit, they're here. <laughs> yeah. So that's fucking yeah. irritating. I just thought I'd mention that. But um, so the touchscreen, uh, it has. It uses the motion control, the six-axis motion control with aiming. So when you bring up your combat, you know, in your in your combat that you loved him, yeah. Yeah, you aim, right? Yeah. And then you can do sort of fine aiming while you're in the aiming mode. You can use either the right the right analog stick to aim, but you can also sort of move the, uh, the whole Vita unit <clears throat> to get sort of 
a little bit more fine control over the aiming. It takes a little bit work? of getting used to, but it's actually works really, really well. And uh, it's because I did that in the in the demo when I first played it in the demo, and I thought, "Fuck this game," it was because of that. I got a sniper rifle, and when you aim with that, the whole it's just way more sensitive with the the motion control. Okay. But you start to get the hang of it as you play through, and it's the same with all of it. As you play through the game, you sort of get used to all the the controls. But uh, there's the most annoying thing is as you're on the hunt for these little treasures throughout the game, occasionally you'll see sort of bamboo, right? And you have to walk up to it and press your little machete machete icon, (laughs) right? This is my machete. Machete. You you press that (laughs) and then it gives you prompts on the touchscreen where you have to swipe in a certain direction to cut the bamboo right. and then behind in like no matter what behind the bamboo is a treasure right it's like fruit ninja yeah sort of <laughs> except much slower and less responsive <laughs> oh. oh so you can't get like fruit combo no, you know you, like that you have fruit to, salad you have to i love getting that fruit salad point <laughs> yeah, you have to slash <laughs> in the in the direction that it says which is and you know if so it slowly draws an arrow across the screen and you swipe that, but if you swipe it too fast or too slow, it comes up with like a red, it turns it red and it, you failed. What? It's not as touchy as I'm saying, but sometimes it uses that sort of um, element in, in other t- times in the game where you need to yeah. quickly do that, like a quick time event. And sometimes it hasn't worked when I've done it and it's fucking annoying. Uh, and it also uses the touch screen to to crack safes. There's some safe cracking involved if you're interested. <laughs> Except you always know the combination. So right. you, it's not a matter of like turning it until you hear a click. It, it has the combination in the top left. You spin it the way that it tells you until the first combination turns a different color and then you go to the next one and the next one and the next one. So that's pretty... Um, pointless but i'd say the uh the motion control aiming is a pretty good use of the features and okay um I, actually it's got the the rear touchpad that um lucas mentioned with the touch my rear trophy for climbing <laughs> up a rope using the rear touchpad i literally haven't used that since the tutorial of it at the beginning of the game where it explained that i could do that oh that's bad i actually forgot that you could do it until this conversation. <laughs> it's just easier to press up on your friggin' analog stick. Yeah. Well, looks like they haven't really thought about the implement- implementation of uh, of that sort of thing. That. It was sort of like, I think the very first Uncharted game was trying to leverage the six-axis as a balance thing when you were walking across beams, and that was fucking stupid. You still, that is, has that in, has oh. that in all the Uncharted's. No, I didn't have it in the second one, I thought. Second or third. I'm pretty sure it's in them. But um, in this one, it has it as well. And um, it uses... See, when you're in the climbing parts, you know, when you're scaling walls and stuff, there's some really cool use of the features there. Uh, You know, I mentioned, and I think I said when I mentioned this in the previous episode, that um, I thought it was kind of... a defeats the purpose of Uncharted. But when you see a big chain of bricks 
and like handholds that you can you normally would like jump across to each one. On this, you can just swipe on the touchpad on the touch screen, like run your finger along the trail where you want him to climb, and it sort of highlights each bit as you touch it, and then he just automatically climbs up until where you stopped. Okay. Which is um, you know, it it probably does take away from the the game what it originally was but in another way it makes it a lot easier to climb without accidentally falling which was always really yeah. annoying in charter <clears throat> games where you would think yeah okay I'm going to jump and grab that handhold and then mm. you jump and you fucking die because it doesn't <laughs> grab where you were like yeah I just told you to jump and grab that but um, <laughs> one disappointing thing in the Vita version is that a lot of the time you can't drop off of those handhelds like even if you press the drop button if the game knows that there's nothing for you to drop onto chances are it won't let you drop which mm. kind of takes away from the the challenge of it I guess it means when you're looking for treasures and there might be a hidden platform somewhere you can just climb along and just keep pressing the drop button yeah you can spam the drop yeah. button and it's yeah which right. is a bit um, kind of maybe a bad decision in the design but uh yeah i think i'm i've covered them all is it um on the the beta version um because you say it was it was done by it wasn't done by naughty dog is it as glitchy in what way or like i know watching tim play it a few times um he'd get to a point and the event wouldn't trigger so you'd have to go back again like I found um, watching him play Uncharted 3 that was a common issue that kept happening that the next scene wouldn't trigger you'd get there and it wouldn't happen. The stuff was supposed to highlight and prompts are supposed to come up and yeah. yeah. It only happened a couple of times, but that was enough for me to <laughs> cheese. No, I was not happy about it. I haven't seen anything like that although it, it probably activates stuff quicker than I would like because I, you know, you said in Journey you like to run around and, and explore everything. In Uncharted, mm. that's how I am, but that's because there's a sort of a physical yeah um, reward with the with each of the treasures. Yep. So I'm, I spend most of my time in Uncharted checking every nook and cranny to see if there's a treasure in there. Except for mm, Uncharted sure. 3, which I think I may have... Either 2 or 3 I ruined by using a treasure guide. Uh. <laughs> which was disappointing. <laughs> I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to waste time. But uh, just a bit of a uh, sidetrack there. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen any kind of glitching or anything like that. It seems to be pretty well built. Everything works the way that they intend it to work. Except for that, um, that quick time sort of swiping thing sometimes has been fucking me around. Mm. Okay. Is it fully voiced, um, like the console games? Yeah, it, it's got. What's the guy's name? Um, Nolan North. Nolan North. Yeah. It's got okay. him doing Drake and the guy who does Sully's back to do Sully later in the game, and a few times it's got a this black market thing where you, as you kill the enemies, occasionally they'll drop a a thing which is named a bounty and it's there's a, a few different ones throughout the game from like Spanish doubloons 
gold doubloons to silver coins to tarot cards, rare, rare Spanish tarot cards or some shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it uses the, the near functionality, which is the, um, you know, near on the Vita. It's like a... It, is that like the street pass thing? Yeah, yeah, sort of Vita like that, uses, yeah. yeah. And yeah. basically you can trade the bounties with other players to collect them all. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you go to the screens with um, where where it lists what bounties you have, sometimes you get a little a little sort of phone call from Sully where he's explaining, you know, this, this item is worth a lot of money. If you can collect them, they all sell for lots of money. We'll make a lot of cash. Which okay. is kind of an explanation of why you're collecting fucking tarot cards. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, it's all fully voiced. The the cutscenes are your standard cutscenes. Although there's chapters, two chapters so far that I've played, where are you? You know, it's you know how Uncharted splits into chapters, and mm. they're usually all playable, maybe with a cutscene at the beginning or at the end. Two of the Two entire chapters were made up of about one or two minute long cutscenes where it was just like chapter, you know, I don't know the number, but like chapter 13. And then it was just a cutscene for X amount of time. And then chapter 14. Oh. And so there's like 36 chapters or something in this game. But you're not playing them all. Well, yeah. And um, when, you, when you go to um, chapters on the main menu... And you can you can do this in Uncharted in the other Uncharted games where you look at the chapters and it tells you what how many treasures you've got and how many you've missed in those levels. I think it has that in the other games. Anyway, mm. in this, you go to the cutscene level. Like I was going, okay, where are all these treasures that I'm missing? You know, what levels have I missed treasures on? And I'm scrolling through it and I hit this level and it's like you got zero out of ten. Ten treasures in one level and I got zero of them. I'm like, that doesn't make right. sense. So I press play on it, and it's a cutscene. And it's one of those cutscene chapters. And throughout the, the sort of video, there's little flashes, those little sparkles of the treasures that you see when you see a treasure yeah. in the game. And you touch the, you have to touch the touch screen on the treasures to pick them up. Oh, you, you're joking. Really? Uh, Which is... Really? It's stupid, and... It's totally distracting because when I get one of those moments, now every time I see a cutscene, I'm thinking, oh, fuck, is there going to be a treasure in this cutscene? Uh, and then I end up that's... just sitting there just tapping my fingers on the screen, like constantly all over the screen in case I fucking miss one. And then it'll pop up, oh, you found this treasure. And I'm like, sweet, found one. Keep tapping, keep tapping. I missed all the dialogue because <laughs> I'm fucking focusing on tapping the screen. Uh, so That's... Yeah. But it doesn't ruin the game because it's still Uncharted, and Uncharted's fantastic. I, I guess <laughs> I guess they're trying to get you to come back and, but but that's that's stretching the gameplay element a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not even oh, there, there were there were treasures to. in the cutscene, so I watched the cutscene again. It's not because that was an awesome cutscene, and I just want to watch it. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, but uh, the the stupid thing is that in the actual playable parts of the game. You can't pick up the treasures just by touching them. You have to go over to them. Oh, uh, except disconnect it's, it. It mixes it up. It's because yeah. there's some there's one part where you're like going down 
sort of whitewater rapids. It just like you're in the water as Drake just swimming, getting pushed down this sort of um, waterway, and you have to dodge rocks by tilting the the Vita. And you can't dodge them by using the analog sticks. You literally have to tilt it. There's no other way. Okay. And um, as you're going, you see the little sparkles of a treasure come up and then go past you because you're going pretty fast. And you've got to... um, I think on those ones, you had to touch the screen to pick them up. And then there's another part, which is the same, where it pops up. There's a little icon that pops up that says that's like to pick up a treasure normally yeah for normal treasures it pops up a little icon and you touch that and on yeah. and on another section where you're going through water you have to it you see the sparkle further down the water but the treasure button picks pops up and you as normal playing you would think okay i have to wait till i'm next to it before pressing the treasure button or pick it up but you have to press it before you reach it otherwise you miss it that's that's bad. That's three different rules for the same thing. Yeah, yeah don't 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 really like so, that. But, but um, that's treasures. Oh, it's yes. a it's a superfluous yeah. part of the game. Unless you're in it for yeah. trophies, you don't really give a fuck about the treasures. Like really. Yeah. Unless you're a completionist, but it, I am, so it's fucking annoying. <laughs> 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 it's just you know, it, you, you understand. It's it's irritating that it's um, it's multiple different ways. So, I guess the only real question I have about it is, is this is this new Uncharted? Will it make my boyfriend swear and threaten to kick the console out of the window when he finds a combat moment in the game, just like he did with, Inch- with Uncharted 3 and then threaten to trade it in when it was actually a Christmas present? Yes. I'm sitting there on the phone having a conversation with my mum and she's like, oh, and how's Tim? I'm like, yeah, he's great. In the background, oh, you're fucking kidding me. This is getting fucking traded in. Fuck this. And I'm like, yeah, he's good. Jesus. <laughs> his uh, his anger know. levels were uncharted. <laughs> uh, look, I usually don't get that frustrated with yeah to that level but um the ship level in uncharted 3 yeah just no joy at all even on i just i that's the point where i dropped the, the ship level. easiest level yeah you gotta this fight this isn't one really of a spoiler the ship. The so. ship not the shit no the ship yeah. the, as in on the you, yeah. you jump on the ship as in it's a the cruise oh, ship sort of thing like... that was yeah it's an abandoned <laughs> cruise ship or something. no i didn't say the shit level that, to be fair <laughs> All of all of the Uncharted games actually have some pretty decent, if not absolutely outstanding, level design. Like they're they're very pretty, and navigating them is usually a joy. So that that cruise ship is actually quite a love lovely, but it's I a well designed. Really like that level. I, I I like the look of it, but just that all that combat oh, just got to me. And when it's raining out on a deck, yeah, didn't, oh, didn't enjoy it. With the where you're standing on that container and it's moving back and forth, and there's a guy yeah. with the machine gun. Yeah, the, the heavily heavily armed guy. That that was, and then you get inside and you still got to fight people. It just nah, didn't 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 enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, there was a fair bit of combat in that. Yeah, look, I, I realised that massive fans of the series probably didn't mind that at all, and that's fine. It was just a personal taste. Yeah, thing. there's less of that in this Golden Abyss. I mean, there's still a lot of combat moments, but um, it uh, it it lets you use stealth a lot more. 
So, and certain times, like I noticed in one level in particular, there was about four guys that I could see and you could definitely take them out by stealth. But then if you got their attention, another three or four guys appeared. Whereas if you killed them all by stealth, those guys never came out. Mm. So that was kind of an incentive to avoid combat, which is nice. But even then, the combat doesn't last forever. Like it does in Uncharted 3. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought the second game hit its beats pretty well and there was only one or two areas where I thought the combat was getting a little bit long in the tooth, but then it stopped. So, yeah, 2 was probably my favourite out of the lot. Yeah. I'd like to see a second Uncharted on the Vita in the future. I'm sure there will be one. I hope there will be one. There was two God of Wars on the uh, PSP. I'd like to see a God of War on the Vita, actually. Just to... It's divert us a little bit, but um, no, that's cool. Yeah, because the difference between Uncharted One and Uncharted Two, that's the kind of difference that I would like to see on a on a second Uncharted on the Vita. Sure. Where they sort of pan half the fucking crap that's stupid, <laughs> and focus on what works. Maybe I should write a petition. Petition. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We were always going there, weren't we? Yeah, I was going to say you should write a petition about... I'm surprised no one wrote a petition about the ending of Uncharted 3 because that fucking deserved one. <laughs> oh, man. Actually, I'm a fucking total hypocrite because that fucking ending pissed me off. Like, fucking badly pissed me off. What happens at the end of the third one? Hey everyone, just letting you know that the next five minutes or so is really spoiler heavy with the Uncharted 3 ending, so um, if you haven't played it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, I suggest you skip ahead to the 1 hour 40 minute and 45 second mark. So that should be long enough, and then you can enjoy the end of this podcast, which has been extremely long, so thanks for sticking with us this far. Now on with the show. What happens at the end of... Third one. Oh, you have to pay attention because it happened so fucking fast that if you blink, you'll it miss just sort it. Of ends. Didn't yeah. that old bitch come back? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you that shoot one. the yeah. fucking crane. This is the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're um, pulling the thing up out of the water, whatever it is that yeah. you'll fucking... The whole mission was to find this thing. It's some super fucking bad thing. Evil thing. Evil thing, yeah. They're dragging it up out of the water. Oh, shit, you shoot it. Shoot the fucking wire that's pulling it up. Break the wire with one shot from in water. Hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I saw that on Mythbusters once. But anyway, um, so then the thing drops down in the water. The old lady's like, oh, shit, my fucking thing fell in the water. The whole world starts fucking collapsing for some unknown fucking reason. <laughs> and everything's falling into quicksand. Oh, yeah, so you piss off. Yeah, and you all right. start running away, except the dudes are still shooting at you, not fucking running for their own lives, which makes complete sense because they're foot soldiers, you know. I learned that <laughs> years and years ago from, you know, kids' TV shows. The bad guys are dumb. <laughs> and then the, the, the old lady and Nate fall in a fucking quicksand pit and Sully's like, come on, man, get out. And he gets out and then he's like, oh, should I save the old lady? No, she's dead. The old lady dies. Yeah, straight up. (laughs) It's not even a fight or anything. The main antagonist in the game 
is gone. <laughs> then her sidekick, you think he's like distraught and crying over her fucking quicksand disappeared body. <laughs> You're like, yeah, fucking see you later because the world is fucking collapsing. Run away. Keep running, keep running. Then out of the blue, sidekick guy jumps out. You have a fucking knife fight that lasts 30 seconds and then he's dead too. And the game's over. <laughs> oh, and then it's like, Elena, yeah, I always loved you. His wedding ring or some shit. But it's not <laughs> explained at all in the fucking whole game. Oh, man. Thank you for reminding me because, yeah, I just totally forgot it. It was like the least memorable ending of a game I've ever played. I was like, oh, what the fuck, man? Most anticipated fucking PS3 exclusive of 2011. Yeah? Well, it, it, to, to talk, to touch a little bit on, I think, what some of the better critics of the end of Mass Effect are talking about, I think a lot of their issue is about the promise of the game. And the third one seemed to be a lot more introspective on Drake as a character. You, you see his childhood, you see him trip out, and you have all those wonderful trip out moments. And you think that it should be more about him as a character than it should be about the MacGuffin, you know, the, the thing they're trying to find, which is bullshit because we don't care about it. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, but yeah, I guess it just threw that out. And, you know, even given that everything else about the ending was just, oh, well, well then, yeah, I guess the bad people cop it. So, yeah. Oh, and we're at the end of Uncharted 2 again, where Elena and Drake are kissy huggy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, mind you, which was a really nice way to end the second game. Like, oh, it, it felt don't like get me wrong. To- the second game was fucking awesome. And it played out well. It was written well. The romance between Drake and Elena throughout the whole game was done really, yeah. really well. So this whole thing is a spoiler, by the way. So Yeah. <laughs> but in Uncharted 3, it was done fucking poorly. I thought. Yeah. The whole way through, I didn't think there was any romantic sort of tension or anything. There was this sort of subtle hint that they'd had a fight or something and there was wedding rings involved. And it was just like, man, there's so much potential for a Naughty Dog game where they have such a history of, you know, writing really good games, really good mm. stories. It was disappointing. Well, in the, in the end, do you reckon the uh, the Vita's got legs? Do you reckon it's gonna uh, it, it's gonna be around and and be successful? Oh, mate, any yeah. So that's the end of the spoilers. But um, <laughs> spoiler for the future of the Vita, I think it will go on for a while because. You know, the the PlayStation Portable got hacked. The the original PSP got hacked nearly straight away on its release. Yeah? Mm. So people were yeah. pirating games basically from the beginning. And yet they still supported that for fucking seven years or something, or five I, years. The scary thing I think that a lot of people are ignoring is the PSP actually sold quite well. Yeah. In the, at the end of the day, I, look, I haven't looked it up, but I think the figures are actually fairly decent. So they... They sort of created a very interesting, if not very odd market. Very, very strange. I don't know what PSP players want, and I don't know what PS Vita players want. You know what I mean? I do know what what DS and, and DS Lite and 3DS players want, and, and there is definitely something unique about those platforms. Um, and it could just be me, but I just don't understand where... PlayStation Portable, Vita, etc. is at? I don't really know. Yeah, I think they're going for the... Well, I mean, the Vita is definitely going for more hardcore gamers. Yeah. That's why they're bringing out... Like, there's still casual games on there, 
but it's definitely more directed at at the core game is except that the majority of people don't have a a time or place when they're going to play a Vita you know mm. but then again at the same time there's games on the on the unit that are so good like Uncharted Golden Abyss man I've got my Xbox and my PS3 sitting right in front of me when I'm playing my Vita I'm sitting mm. on the couch and playing my Vita so you know, when when it comes to a game that's available on all the consoles, then there's no point in using a Vita version unless you want to lay in your bed and play it or take it on the go. You might as well buy mm. it on... Like, I'm not saying you would buy a Vita for a game that's multi-console. Mm. Mm. But there's... As long as they keep bringing out games that are not direct ports of the console games, then it's going to have a market. It's got to have that thing, and I don't know what that thing is. The, 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 you know, I feel like 3DS Street Pass is such a huge thing, and I guess to some degree 3D is a is a thing, but it may end up being a red herring. Nevertheless, it's got the full backing of the whole stylus um, philosophy, which has has seen a whole school of, of development um, emerge. You know, iOS gaming is about immediacy. It's about simplicity. It, it's about your five-minute tram ride, or or Android, and and you know, tablet gaming is becoming a thing. The larger touch space, the better graphics. You know, there's a reason for it. So, look, I I do hope that the Vita has something. It, there's a reason why you get a Vita because it's the only place you're going to get this mysterious thing that is going to be their seller. I, I don't know. I think the biggest thing on the Vita is the dual analog sticks, like overall everything. It's unaffordable. Yeah. yeah. That's like from looking broadly at it. I mean, touchscreen has been done. The rear touchpad's nice, but I haven't seen a really good implementation of it. I don't think, except for maybe in FIFA football, where that's just a, out of ease of use because I usually suck at that fucking game and it makes it easier for me. <laughs> but really, the the dual analog sticks. I ne- I mean, I know they released an attachment for the 3DS. I think to give it a second mm. analog stick, but it makes it, like, fucking massive. Yeah, it does. And unwieldy. Like, it's and nice and Not yeah. all games um, supported or anything. But, um, yeah, I, like I said with Unit 13, the, it's, it controls really well using the, the dual analog sticks. And nothing... The good thing about Unit 13 is it doesn't implement all the features of the Vita. It uses the touchscreen a little bit, with, um, for example, say you, you've walked up to a, a bomb that you need to arm, right? And it'll just, it won't pop up in the middle of the screen as something for you to press. It'll be over to the left, right on the left-hand side or the right-hand side of the screen is a button that you press. So it's non-intrusive. It yeah. doesn't use the, I don't think it uses the back touchpad at all. I don't think it uses the motion control at all. It just uses the dual analog sticks really, really well and fluidly. So that's why I, I suggest Unit 13 for anyone who wants to see what a shooter on it will be like because there is going to be a Call of Duty on it later in the year. Um, oh, okay. Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom is on there at the moment, which is a good example of a fighting game. I'm, from what the our writer, our writer said about it, she said that... Um, it's pretty much the exact same as the console version, so that's not really a reason to be buying it. 
buying a Vita. Not for that. But Mortal Kombat might be worth getting. Okay. But again, if you're gonna, it's the same thing. It'll be, it'll probably be a direct port. I don't know if there'll be anything. Um, I have heard. Actually, no, I heard that the Mortal Kombat on the Vita. This is a fucking moot point because it's going to be banned in Australia. But yeah, the I heard that they, you know, the Challenge Tower in Mortal Kombat. I don't know if you, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's. I heard somewhere that they're putting like twice as many. They're like doubling the height of the challenge tower and adding twice as many challenges in the Vita version. Mm. So that's a probably a good reason to pick one up if you're into Mortal Kombat. Not that I'm suggesting you buy a three hundred and fifty dollar fucking handheld for one game. You yeah. know, you need to look at what's available, but. Like I said, Uncharted's awesome. I'm enjoying the Vita version, and it's kind of nice to have it on the go. Not that it's 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 hard it's hard with a game like Uncharted because if you get any glare on the screen and you can't see it properly, the brightness levels are not particularly um, good. Yeah, I, I think that that can be more or less of an issue. It depends because, to be fair, I think there's a lot of like there's a lot of iOS gaming that's happening on a couch, and like you say, you, you're playing your Vita in your living room, and that that's a strong that's a strong thing in its favour. So, yeah. you know, sure, maybe something like Uncharted isn't something you're going to play in a tram or, or when you've got glare, etc. But it is definitely something that would be worth you know Vita owners having. And and Uncharted's kind of got it. It's not very bright anyway. You know, mm. it's it's in jungles and in dark sort of areas, whereas mm. something like Everybody's Golf or or like Plants vs Zombies would be fine with some screen glare, because mm. you're not looking for a little sparkle of a fucking treasure in a corner somewhere mm. that you might miss mm. if you can't see it yeah. properly. But um, yeah, no, that's yeah, it, it works well. It's a pretty robust unit doesn't feel fragile in your hands and yeah. everything control as well um what you were saying before the psp has sold 71.3 million units worldwide as of september 14th and it was launched in japan in december 12th 2004 and then north america on the 24th of march 2005 i think you could actually call that successful that's, that's fucking massively yeah. successful that that's really good. Uh, it doesn't matter where, whether most of those sales were in Japan or whatever. They couldn't have been anyway. There would have been a lot in North America yeah, yeah. and Europe. So exactly. I, I think that's actually a decent achievement. People just down downsell it because as of December 31st, 2011, Nintendo DS models have sold 151.06 million units. Which is fine, but more and more I'm beginning to see them not really in direct competition, yeah. you know. Um, even though, in a sense, everything is in comp competition for your dollar, I guess that's why mobile gaming is so strong because you sort of already have a mobile, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, but we probably had a bit of a lull where mobile gaming was a new thing and where 99 cent gaming was a thing. But, I mean, look at Kyrosoft. $5 gaming is becoming more viable, yeah. more reasonable. People understand it. People are going back to 3DS. People are, are seem to be. I hope their support is strong for Vita. So I mean, let's just 
let's just hope that that because i'm all for more platforms and more options yeah. look as long as consumers can afford it then then why not have as many opportunities for developers to express their creativity and if people can afford it for people to jump on the platforms and to play great games and, and enjoy yeah. themselves well that's one of the things about the psn it's really um it from what i can tell not that i'm in in independent game development but um it's very They've got a very strong support base, I guess, for indie yep, developers. And, and, and with that, we come full circle to Santa Monica because, you know, like Everyday Shooter and stuff, yep. those are games. Pixel Junks. I, I think Everyday Shooter. Pixel Junks, that stuff that Santa Monica, I, I believe now, yep. is specific. One of the things they're focused on. And look, Sony make a lot of bad decisions with a lot of things. I think they all do. But that is a great decision you know I, I i'm so behind sony santa monica that that that's becoming something that i want to keep track of as a business model yeah. and as something that is shaping the industry yeah. so whereas microsoft charge developers like forty thousand dollars if you want to patch your game oh patch. look there's there, there's yeah and and it looked at Xbox Live has its its, its advantages and, and caveats as well. Um, the certification process is very, very tough, but by the same token, they are extremely particular about having successful executables available on day one. So yeah. they have a very high QA level and they want to keep it. So look, look again, I'm not saying that, that they do everything right either because there's been lots of murmurings in the indie sphere about how difficult it is to develop for xbox live anyway or half, half brick <laughs> went to went to microsoft with connect um connect what's it fruit ninja mm. Mm. it can be done and, and it's not always bad news look you're always going to get teething problems with whoever you get and in the future we hope that everything just gets better and brighter and that's a lovely positive note to probably wrap it up on yeah man this is a fucking long podcast <laughs> <laughs> just cut all that journey crap it's a rubbish game anyway <laughs> I'm going to write a petition to drop bear gaming <laughs> I was waiting for it I was waiting for oh, it shit alright well I mean that's a pretty good roundup. oh shit one thing one more thing sorry yeah. Mass Effect 3 there's a app on the iPad iPhone called the Mass Effect 3 data pad or data pad, whatever you want to fucking say. <laughs> and it is actually pretty cool. It's free, I think, because I'm pretty sure my credit card is overdrawn and iTunes won't let me use it. So I've got this app, so it must have been free. <laughs> and uh, it it basically lets you... Um, it has a couple of different things, but the, the two main things in it that I've found is one is that if you're at all a giant codex nerd and you'd love the fucking little information about all the planets and stuff like that, the little mini encyclopedia that's in the game, you can access it from your iPad, including the voiceovers. So there's it, like it reads to you the codex, codex entry. Voice. Yeah, this <laughs> well the same voices in the game for the primary yeah. entries or whatever. But also it has a thing called Galaxy at War because in Mass Effect Three, you it's all about you know, stopping the Reapers and fucking saving the galaxy, right? Yeah. So it has this little thing where it brings up the map of the galaxy, which when you start Mass Effect 3, you see the map in the, in the corner and it tells you the percentage of how ready, the, your galactic readiness or whatever, right? 
basically this is like a little mini game where you can uh, direct forces to certain areas through set missions and it raises your readiness in those areas and it, it connects with your origin account for your Mass Effect 3 game save which uh-huh. is a pretty cool little thing I don't know <laughs> I just thought it was worth mentioning. Anyone out there who's playing Mass Effect 3 who kind of wants to have a more, a bigger chance at getting the perfect ending or whatever the fuck you get from having galactic (laughs) readiness, I hope you get something for it because I've been fucking doing this for ages. (laughs) It better not be for nothing. But yeah, Mass Effect 3 datapad, it works on iPhone and iPad. Worth getting for free. Even just for the codex, I like it. So yeah, cool. that'll do it for episode 28. Uh, do you guys want to give any shout-outs or anything? Um, no, no, I wouldn't say it's a shout-out. I just... You know what's trending on Twitter? Bieber, be my boyfriend. <laughs> what about Sel- Selena Gomez can be my girlfriend? Is she legal age? Uh... I don't know. Oh, my God. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> If she is, she can be, I mean. That's what I'm saying. I swear to God. Oh, my you God. Might, you might ask Ashley yeah. if she's or not. <laughs> can, don't you get, like, a, a celebrity safe list where, like, oh, what is it? Where you get to pick, like, the five celebrities where if they, you know, came on to you, it wouldn't, it wouldn't jeopardize your relationship. No, I don't. I don't have a celebrity safe list because I already have about six husbands. I can't. I can't. can't. I'm not safe. Not safe anymore. Yeah, you can't. You can't manage the fucking amount of guys you've already got on the go. That's, that's it. I. I once. I think. Once I told Tim that I had Johnny Depp hiding under the bed. He said, "Awesome, bring him out. Let's have a coffee." Yeah. <laughs> Get him to fucking tell me why he made Willy Wonka. <laughs> When clearly the original is you, you got to pay the bills somehow, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard that from Eddie Murphy. Insurance on a Ferrari doesn't pay for itself. Yeah. Anyway, so that's episode 28. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. I hope you liked our discussions about the various games. And we will see you next, for, uh, what, in a week or a fortnight? What are we doing? Eh, give it a fortnight. Yeah. Let's 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 let the dust settle a little bit. We might we might have a few petitions ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We're starting our two our our two weekly podcast from today, officially. Yay! Excellent. All right. See you later, everyone.